1: Welcome to WTIC's Pet Talk. Today, Lori Fast takes your pet behavior questions. This is a show for you and your best friend. Call in now at 522-WTIC, 1-800-966-WTIC, or star WTIC from your cell phone if you have AT&T Wireless. And now, Pet Talk.
2: Hello, and... Welcome to Pet Talk on WTIC. I I know some of you are regular listeners and are very familiar with the format of this show. Maybe some of you are first-time listeners, or maybe some of you have listened a little bit, but don't quite know exactly how this works. So I'm just going to take a quick minute to explain that Pet Talk is an unusual format insofar as there is a behavior edition, which is what I'm doing. And there's also a veterinary addition. Um, so we alternate. I alternate with uh, Dr. Dennis, who's from the Bloomfield Animal Hospital. Uh, she'll be on next week. Um, I'll be on the week after that. So it's usually a fairly consistent rotation, um, although sometimes things mess that up, prior obligations or things where it's not just exactly like that. But um, in either case, Pet Talk is obviously about you and your pet and it is a call-in show and I always like to give out the numbers early and tell you if you have a question particularly related to your pet's behavior, then you might want to give some thought to how you want to word that and if you want to call in, that would be great. All the lines are open because it's just the beginning of the show. The numbers are eight six zero five. Two two nine eight four two, which is 522-WTIC, two, two, or 800-966-WTIC, and WTIC is 9842. So if you don't mind having your questions answered on the air, uh, it's often the case that uh, somebody calls in with a question and they consider it to be Kind of odd or strange or unique. And you'd be surprised how many people have very similar problems with their pets. Um, I remember one show quite a while ago, someone called in about, um, I think it was their pit bull who, when he was in the car, was making just very weird vocalizations. And I was kind of teasing him a little bit, but I wanted to know what it sounded like. So I had him imitate what the dog was sounding like. And the last caller of that day said, well, I have a pit bull and the dog makes the exact same noise, which was really kind of funny. But, you know, I mean, it's not always about what kind of noises your dog makes or your cat or, you know, whatever pet you have. But this is supposed to be as much about educating as it is about entertaining. So if you do have a question, don't be afraid to call in and share it, because not only am I going to be answering your question, I can pretty much guarantee that there are other people out there who have similar problems and similar questions, and maybe you're the only one brave enough to call into the show. But if you do want to have your question answered, and I can answer it, but you're not, Available to call in, or you don't want to be on the air, you certainly can contact me off the air, and um, you can get all of my off air. Contact information from my website, which is Lori Fass Dog Training. You can find my email, you can find my phone number. So sometimes people just can't get access to a phone right now, or maybe in some cases don't want to be on the air, which I could kind of understand that. All right, so one of the things that um, I, I had a few topics in mind and things that I wanted to cover today. But I'm going to cover something that's a little bit random. There's not a lot of follow-up with this, but it's it's come up uh, a few times with people that I know. And that is uh, the drug gabapentin. Uh, gabapentin is frequently prescribed now because it used to be that there were a wide array of different pain medications prescribed for for pets. And some of these things uh, were discontinued, I think, because of the opioid crisis. And strangely enough, I don't even know if that's the right words to describe it. They were finding that people were getting drugs for their pet and then taking them themselves, which is Bad uh, because if obviously if your pet needs this you're you're not giving them what they need and a lot of other reasons too but so in any case gabapentin has become a drug that uh, is kind of the go-to drug for a pain management and um, in some cases that's it works great but I just wanted to throw out a couple of things that I heard that you should be careful about one of them is that um, gabapentin like many other drugs that animals use is also a drug that's prescribed for people. And so sometimes people will go to a pharmacy to fill the prescription for their pet. And apparently uh, one of the forms that gabapentin comes in is a liquid form. Um, I've only seen it in a, in a capsule form, but it does come in a liquid form as well. And some of the liquid is formulated with the sweetener xylitol, which is used in a lot of vitamins and toothpaste and things for humans. And xylitol is extremely toxic uh, to animals. And the uh, liquids uh, of gabapentin is supposed to be flagged as not for use with pets. But apparently there have been a couple of cases where it was overlooked for whatever reason. In one instance, um, just one dose was given to their dog, and the pet owner noticed it immediately, and that was it. And so the pet did not have any adverse or horrible reactions because they picked it up immediately. But in another case, uh, it was not noticed, and the liquid gabapentin with a xylitol kept being given repeatedly to their pet, and it resulted in the animal dying, which is pretty, pretty bad. This is not the, obviously, nobody who loves their pet wants anything bad to happen, least of all that. So I think that um, I'm just telling people that uh, you should be aware of this. So if your dog is getting gabapentin in a capsule form, then... I've never heard of xylitol in a capsule form. There'd be no point in making something sweet that's in a capsule because you're not supposed to taste it. You're just supposed to swallow it. But in liquid form, uh, apparently... It does come, in some cases, not all. There is a liquid form that does not have xylitol, so it's not automatic. If gabapentin is liquid, it has xylitol, but some of it does. So if you have a pet that's been prescribed gabapentin in liquid form, I'm just really suggesting that you look very carefully at the label. And if you see that it has xylitol, make sure you... Tell the pharmacist that that's a mistake. They need to flag it. They may need to make sure they don't do that to any other pet owner, um, but just be careful. So, if that's just a, an announcement that I want people to know. And then the other thing, which was sort of an odd kind of uh, side effect of gabapentin, is that with some dogs, and I'm going to say some dogs because, again, uh, it's widely used and used very effectively and very helpful in many, many situations. But um, with some dogs, gabapentin can cause a dog to act eh, not friendly, maybe a little aggressive, maybe agitated, and uh, sometimes... You know, if a dog is being prescribed gabapentin, it's because they're trying to manage pain. And sometimes pain can cause dogs to behave in an aggressive way. So it can get a little confusing sometimes, but I think that's really important to keep in mind that um, if – you're giving your dog gabapentin, and you're noticing that they seem to be more agitated because really it should have a calming, soothing sort of an effect, not an agitating kind of an effect. Um, but um, if you notice that, you might want to really talk to your vet, think about whether or not this is new behavior. Um, and, and just again be a little careful because medications react differently to different people and to different animals um, I'm a person that if there's some weird you know off the chart side effect that .01 percent of somebody gets I'm probably gonna get it so I if I take anything I always read every single possible uh, side effect not because I'm paranoid just I want to know. Um, but that was something that I hadn't known until fairly recently, both of those things. Um, so gabapentin has been widely prescribed for a long time. Uh, it's generally safe, often super effective and very, very helpful. But because it's being prescribed in such a broad you know, amount of different situations, um, those are two cautions that i want people to uh, to be aware of so that um you know n- nobody gets hurt nobody has a bad bad reaction and everybody can use this medication in the best possible way so um i think we maybe need to go to a break uh we have a caller coming in um i don't know do we have time to take the caller or should we go to a break Well, looks like we're getting the call screen, so maybe we'll maybe we'll be able to take the call. So anyway, this is a call-in show. Um, I'm here until 2 o'clock, and the numbers are 860-522-WTIC or 1-800-966-WTIC. And uh, if you call in, what's going to happen is your call is going to be Uh, screened so you're not going to get right exactly immediately on the air Um, but as soon as that happens uh, then I can then I can talk to you so I'm going to see if I can connect to Joe hi Joe
0: hi I just want to let you know xylitol is also being called birch sugar now
2: yes that's a very good point yes
0: and another comment I like to make this drives me crazy I don't know if you're going to agree with me or not the flex leashes yeah. First of all, I mean, you're teaching a dog. When I pull, I get control. And I think when you're walking, if you got a maniac dog at the end of one, <laughs> they get a large, they get a long lead, and they run, and they think it come out of the person's hand, and you got another problem.
2: Oh yeah, I've seen that happen. And then I have someone who um, is a paralegal, and she always calls to my attention legal things that happen where dogs bolt out the uh, the thing stretches out, wraps around somebody, somebody falls, somebody gets all rope burn. And uh, it used to, I haven't seen it lately, but some of the um, retractable leashes used to have amputation warnings on the label. Really? Yeah, because imagine if you wrap your finger around that cord and you have a big dog, and then it snaps and goes real fast all of a sudden. That doesn't sound too good to me. And so. also, you're
0: teaching the dog, when I pull, I get, my, I get my way.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, there's a lot of reasons why people should not be using retractable leashes. Um, so that is something that I've covered before, but bears repeating, uh, because people use them all the time, and um, they can get you in a lot of trouble. So I definitely discourage people from, from doing that. So, okay. Okay. Well, thanks. Right. Thanks Thank for you. the points. I appreciate call your call. Bye. I'll be. Uh, safe. You too. Take care. Bye bye. Okay. So we um, have a couple other callers. Um, so again, um, do we need to go to a break?
1: Pet talk is back now. Saturdays at one on WTIC News Talk 1080. In the He's watching all the birds go passing by, he'd love to fly out the window, go where the wind goes, and so would I.
2: Hello and welcome In back, back window to WTIC's Pet Talk. You're listening to Lori Fass on the behavior edition of the show. And I was explaining earlier that this show alternates between the behavior edition and the veterinary edition, which is next week. And it is a call in show. And I think maybe next week when Dr. Dennis is on, I think that particular episode is going to be pre recorded. Um, but the next time she's on, is going to be live call-in, but today is live call-in, and I have Rebecca and I have Alan on hold, and I'll be able to talk to both of them, Um, but if you want to call in, I'm here until 2, so if you call in and get on hold, I'm sure I can get to you too, and if you want to do that, it's 860-522-9842 or 1-800-966-9842. And let me talk to Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. Hello. How are you?
0: I'm good, thank you. How are you doing?
2: Good. Well, you sound all uh, happy.
0: (laughs) I I am. Um, I love your show. My question for you is uh, this. I have two dogs. Both of them are rescues. I live in a neighborhood that... Uh, when the weather started getting cold, I noticed a neglected stray cat, a very skinny, um, uh-huh. an unneutered male, who I started kind of creating a little shelter in my garage for uh-huh. and offering it some food. And it would come into my garage when the weather got turned extremely cold. I moved him into my house. I have him in a spare bedroom. Um, And I've called a number of rescue organizations, and I'm having a hard time finding somebody to help uh, the cat. Okay, so
2: what help are you looking for? A home for the cat. He is such a great,
0: friendly cat. Uh, I would acclimate him to my home, but my dogs don't seem to be acclimating that well. They walk by the door where the cat's in the room. Uh Uh-huh. and do so at first it was you know a process but now they they do so without incident but i don't know how to get it either so that they can meet without incident okay or, well let's
2: let's talk about that as a possibility first okay okay um Years ago, I used to teach some classes and go to this uh, shop in in Rocky Hill that used to take in um, kittens, and they were a pet store and also a grooming shop. And they had, you know, those cat condos that look like a dog crate, but they are several stories high. And they'd put the kittens in there, and the dogs would walk by to their grooming appointments, and the cats would be quite upset, hissing and looking like, "Oh my God, <laughs> you know all hell is broken loose here, but what, what that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is as this happened repeatedly <clears throat> they <clears throat> they got to a point where they could not have been. Any less impressed, oh, it's a dog, yeah, okay, big deal. Well, what happened? They were in this cat condo. They couldn't run and hide. They had to sit there and look at the dogs. The dogs kept walking back and forth, and so over time, they just kind of got acclimated to the dogs. So you can apply that to uh, this cat. You can put the cat into a dog crate, a wire crate, uh, where the cat can see the dogs and the dog can see the cat, And the cat might be quite upset with this initially, but over time, the dogs can't get to or hurt the cat. The cat can't run away because if if you're trying to acclimate a cat to dogs and they keep running away, they're never going to get over it. And they can keep walking by each other and being near each other without any incident of anything bad happening. And that's a very good way to get a cat used to dogs.
0: It's not so much the cat getting used to the dogs the d- cat seemed even when the cat when the weather was nicer and everybody was outside i've got a fenced in yard the cat would sit outside of the fence the dogs would bark and they would lose their minds over the sight of the cat uh uh-huh. cat seemed
2: very thrown by the dog. the cat was not concerned about the dogs are you saying no not okay. very much <laughs> what kind of dogs are these
0: I have a rather large German Shepherd and a a smaller mix of, we have no idea. They're both rescues.
2: Okay. Uh, All right. Well, I mean, even if it's not the cat that's being upset, it still can apply to the dogs. Because if I'm trying to train the dogs to get used to something and I'm nervous that maybe they're going to hurt something in the process, um, that gives you the opportunity to get them around the cat and get used to the cat Um, because if they're, if a dog is behind a barrier like that, in this case, the cat is kind of behind the barrier, not them. But I know a lot of dogs that when they're behind a fence, they act like Cujo and as soon as the fence isn't there, it's like, oh, hmm, uh, yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) So, you know, I'm not saying that it would be as easy as that, but I would think that um, if we had leashes trailing on them and we practiced uh, their commands and, you know, Know, if they got too crazy, pulled them away, told them no, um, and just being there with the cat. I mean, most dogs, after a point, it's just going to be kind of like, okay, I've seen this cat how many times? How fun is it to just go and bum rush the crate and act crazy? It's just not even worth it anymore.
0: I, I have thought about that because that's how I've been transporting the cat from my garage to my home and in the dog crate, my small dog's crate. They yep. don't... And... That seems to be a safe
2: area for the cat. Um, um, I hear music, which means that if you want to continue talking to me, I have to put you on hold and then come back to you. So, do you want me to do that or do you want, do, would you like to be on hold and continue this conversation? Uh, d- 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 sure. Okay, let me make sure I know which button is hold here. Uh, okay, if I cut you off, call me back, okay? <laughs> All right, I think you're going to be on hold.
1: Talk is back. Now Saturdays back. at 1 on Festive WTIC button. News Talk 1080. All down her back.
0: Hello, tipsy toe. She broke a needle and she can't soap walking the dog.
2: Hello, and welcome back to WTIC's Pet Talk. This is the Behavior Edition. My name is Lori Fass. It is a call-in show. I'm here for the next 20 minutes. And so there are open lines, and the numbers to call in are 860-522-9842 or 1-800-966-9842. Four, two, Or if you don't feel like calling in, it's not convenient, uh, you can contact me off the air. I was speaking earlier with Rebecca. I think I put her on hold. Maybe she had to go, but sometimes my uh, button skills are, leave a lot to be desired over here. But if you want to contact me off the air, I'm happy to talk to you off the air as well. And I would recommend going to my website, which is Lori Fass dog training, and you can get all of my contact information that way. Um, Rebecca was talking about how she had taken in a cat, and um, she had two dogs, and she was concerned about the dog's behavior to the cat, and she was having trouble getting organizations to help place the cat, and I think that that sort of speaks for how overwhelmed a lot of these places are, and the need to... Place animals is kind of exceeded by the number of good homes and people out there to take them. And so for that reason, and also because it just happens to be what I do, I always try to encourage people to Deal with their situation if they can. De- if you can deal with the situation and solve the situation, and not have to place your pet someplace else, um, that's to me is is always your your first choice. Should be your first choice. Um, I had a call, uh, not on the air, but to me personally, uh, about two weeks ago, from a woman who had a, a seven-year-old dog. And she was raising her two-year-old granddaughter. And she had the granddaughter since it was a baby. So for the past two years, uh, the dog and this little toddler have lived together. Um, But the dog was making her nervous because the dog would growl at the two-year-old. And she made the comment to me, um, well, I, I don't even know what this kid is doing to the dog anyway. Maybe she's doing something to annoy the dog and that kind of tipped me off. Let's just say that uh, this two year old's wandering around and is maybe doing stuff to the dog. In any case, she's not there looking at what's going on. So I said to her, are you basically letting the dog have free run of the house and the little toddler have free run of the house? And she said, yes. And I said, so there are moments where you really don't know what's going on. And she said, that's true. And I said, well, why would you do that? Um, why don't you put up some baby gates? And so this little toddler is never alone with this dog. I mean, it is not lacking in some kind of something for the dog's character that you've had this dog with this baby for two years, and so there's never been an incident. Now, that doesn't mean we don't want to push your luck here, because as you said, you you don't know what this little child is doing to the dog. I've heard horrible things about what little children do to dogs. We hear a lot of stories about what dogs do to people and children. But I remember many years ago, there was a case where a little child took a pencil and crammed it into the dog's ear and it perforated the dog's eardrum. And so needless to say, at that point, the dog Bit this child, but how how did he, how did that even happen? That shouldn't have even happened. Um, so I said, well, you know, why don't you put up some baby gates and and restrict the movement of where the dog is and uh, know where your child is? And she said, well, I don't want to, uh, you know, limit my dog's movement in the house because that would be unkind to the dog. I said, your dog is seven years old. You've had this dog for seven years. So you think that rehoming it someplace where the dog does, has no idea where it is. That that's kind but putting up a baby gate is unkind? I said, that's silly. I said, and it's possible too that uh, your dog has a bit of an attitude about its personal space because it's never been restricted or had any kind of discipline or guidelines. So if this dog thinks that it should own every space in your house, then if a little kid, even if they're not doing something really annoying, uh, the dog might think, hey, you're in my space. I own all space in this house and and you need to get out of it right now. and that's not good for anybody. And so that was a pretty simple solution to just simply say use baby gates, don't let your toddler and dog be alone unsupervised. And that's the answer to the problem. Now we don't have to take a 7-year-old dog and try to find a home for it. So, you know, in that particular case, uh it wasn't that complicated, but sometimes, you know, solutions are a little harder and there I'm not going to say that there aren't times where um Dogs or cats should not be placed elsewhere. Uh, And in some cases, I meet people who have dogs. They're not even asking uh, to place the animal elsewhere, but I don't think they should have them. I remember many years ago, somebody was telling me about, uh, they originally called me because their Springer Spaniel kept escaping out of its crate and they wanted to know what they could do about that. And upon questioning them, what they were telling me is the dog was in a crate all day long when they worked. They came home, they ate supper, let the dog out, and then they go out and do other things, activities with their kids, I don't know. And then they put the dog back in the crate. I said, well, you're having this dog in this crate almost 24 hours a day with just a couple hours here and there out of the crate. What kind of life is that for your dog? So they weren't saying – you know what, we just don't have enough time for our dog. We think this is unfair to our dog. We need to place this dog elsewhere. They wanted to keep their dog and keep it locked up in a crate. And I said, yeah, I can tell you a crate that your dog won't get out of, but uh, I don't really think that's very kind. So sometimes people have this backwards. You know, sometimes people think that adding some discipline or restriction is horrible and that's what you need. And other times people are completely neglectful and think that that's just great. So, you know, some Sometimes people see things backwards. So hopefully we can do a little bit of education. And this dog didn't have any particular problems. But, you know, if if you don't have time for your pet and you can't properly care for them, you might really want to give some serious thought and consideration to either making accommodations, hiring dog sitters, doggy daycare, whatever you have to do, or rehoming. The animal. And in some cases, uh, there there's other reasons why, you know, it, it might not work out. There are animals that are literally dangerous to family members or other people, and it's uh, a disaster waiting to happen. But that is usually not the case. There's usually a lot of things that people can do. And uh, that's what I try to help people with, is come up with good Doable solutions to whatever problems you might be having, whether it's you think you need to get rid of your dog or you don't, you wouldn't think about getting rid of your dog or cat, but you might like to live a little bit more harmoniously. There's a lot of issues and problems that people have that you really can do something about. Sometimes people think you can't, but you would be very surprised at uh, what you can do. So I think we might need to go to another break and uh, we will be right back and I'll be finishing up in. Right about before 2 o'clock. So if you want to call in, think about your question and you still have some time.
1: They call rhythm and blues. Two dogs in rhythm and blues. Pet Talk is back Coming now Saturdays at 1 blues. on WTIC old News rhythm Talk 1080.
2: Hello and welcome rhythm back I'm to blues. WTIC's so Pet Talk. This is Lori Fass on this behavior edition of the show. I'm here for about another 10 minutes. So if you were to call in now, I would be able to answer your call at 860-522-WTIC or 1-800-966-WTIC. Or again, contact me off the air. Check my website, which is LoriFassDogTraining.com. Um, I just wanted to mention to people, because we keep getting these weather reports about how cold it's going to be on Tuesday. Now, generally speaking... From my point of view, Connecticut really doesn't ever get that cold or rarely gets that cold. Um, but I used to live in Syracuse, New York, which is much colder than Connecticut. It gets a lot more snow. But what I find kind of funny is that when we do get really cold temperatures, people are wearing the same clothes that they'd wear when it's 10, 20 degrees warmer and then complaining that it's cold. Um You know, you you have to dress accordingly. People seem to somehow miss this. They wear the same coats regardless, and that's obviously not a good idea. But I'm not here to tell you how you should dress. If you're grown, you should figure that out. But what I am here to tell you is that your pets get cold too, and many times people don't realize that. Um, Last year I started doing a class outside um, at the Elmwood Community Center where I still do teach. I'll be starting again this coming March. And I brought with me uh, a little bag of dog jackets and blankets because I knew people were going to come with young dogs or small dogs or dogs with short hair and their dogs were going to get cold and they were going to have nothing to keep their dogs warm with. But when we get the kind of temperatures we're getting on tuesday i can pretty much guarantee that your dog is not going to be comfortable out there for very long and even if they're normally comfortable they might not be and there are some exceptions to that um especially if your dog is used to cold weather so you know if you have a newfoundland or a siberian husky or a malamute or something like that uh they could probably tolerate it a lot more than uh you know, like a a short-haired dog, even a Great Dane, certainly a Chihuahua or something like a Boston Terrier. Um, But I think people, just like they neglect to take care of themselves in the cold weather, forget that their dog is getting cold. I've actually had people say to me, you think my dog is getting cold? You think that's why they're shaking? And I go, yeah, they're cold. And um, so when the temperature is like that, if your dog is not cold sensitive, then you you know, can probably spend a little more time out there. But even dogs that you might not normally think of as being cold sensitive, when it gets that cold, we're talking two degrees, 10 degrees. I think that's what the forecast was calling for. Um, really be careful. Don't, you know, don't, their pads of their feet can get hurt from the very cold temperatures. Uh, if you're used to just leaving your dog, playing out in the backyard in the snow you might want to limit that Uh, just be aware of it i mean it, it seems like it's fairly obvious but a lot of times things that might seem obvious are not and in the summertime i frequently talk about dogs getting overheated particularly in cars but it's not that often that the temperatures around here are cold enough that i would actually have to say to people hey be careful. It's cold. It's really cold. And to a point where, you know, dogs and cats can get hypothermia. So, you know, this is something that you really need to be aware of. And don't just assume that because your pet wants to be outside, they're not going to think it through. You know, I just told you I work with people and they're surprised at how cold they are and they weren't dressed accordingly. So if you're surprised because you weren't dressed accordingly, I wouldn't exactly expect your pet to say, oh, God, darn it. You know, I, I usually have a good time out in the backyard, but today I'm not. It must be too cold for me. So that's your job. And don't let that happen because it can, it actually can be quite serious. So um, like a day like today, uh, you know, if you have a little tiny dog, they're not going to like a day like today either. But uh, when you have those really really cold temperatures, it kind of broadens the number of dogs that are not going to be comfortable. I remember um, many years ago, I was hired to help somebody um, house train their uh, Boston Terrier, and it happened to be in the winter time, and um they didn't understand why their dog wouldn't go outside. And I told them the reason your dog doesn't want to go outside is because they're cold <laughs> and uh, th- that had never occurred to them. And so the solution to their boss interior's lack of ability to be housebroken was answered with a coat. As soon as they put the coat on their dog, then the problem kind of disappeared, which, you know, again, is should be obvious, but sometimes obvious things are not obvious. So, um, I'm. I have just about five more minutes left to the show, so I just wanted to share with you something that um, probably I could do a whole show about, but I'm just going to mention it briefly. And that is that a lot of people, you know, want to know what is my philosophy. What do what do what do I think is the most important thing? Uh, is it consistency? Is it uh, being the pack leader? Is it finding some kind of valuable high? value, treat, or reward, or is it your equipment, or is it a technique? And um, the truth of the matter is probably the most important thing to solving any pet behavior problem, dog or cat, is having some awareness. And that may seem like kind of a funny thing to say, uh, but awareness is something that I haven't quite figured out how to teach. Um, I point things out. Uh, I say, do you know that you are doing this right now? Do you know you are saying this right now? Uh, Do you know that your pet is doing this right now? And surprisingly or shockingly, um, a lot of times when I point these things out, people have absolutely no idea. So if you don't know that, then it's going to be almost next to impossible to solve a problem. So just I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, I had someone who this, they were coming to one of my group classes, and one of the issues they had was they needed to get their dog uh, housebroken. And um, it was a small dog, and the dog would pee on the person in the class, and I would say, hey, your dog is peeing on you. And this particular person had no idea this was happening. Okay, well, you know, I could see that might happen. Um, You know, it happens. But this wasn't just a one-time thing. This was something that happened every single class. Every single class, the dog would pee on this particular person. And every single class, I would have to say, hey, your dog is peeing on you. So I guess my point is, if you don't have the awareness to know that your dog is peeing on you, what do you think the chances are that you're going to have some kind of awareness that your dog has to pee outside or might be peeing in some corner of your house? Um, Another example was uh, I had somebody with a little golden retriever puppy, and the person with this particular dog was saying, oh my God, look what my dog is doing. And the dog was basically spinning around them, going around and around. And as the dog was spinning around, they were spinning around. So it kind of looked like the dog was twirling them around and around. And she was complaining, look what my dog is doing to me. I said, your dog weighs 20 pounds. I said, your dog is not doing that to you. I said, you're doing it. (laughs) Your dog may be spinning around, but If you shorten your leash and stand still, then that would not even be possible. But her perception was that the dog was causing her to spin around. Um, Really commonly is when I'm teaching uh, leash manners, people don't know that they're stopping when their dog stops They don't know that they're slowing down when their dog is slowing down or speeding up or going in the direction that the dog is leading them. And I have to repeatedly say, stop following your dog. Get your dog to follow you. But if you don't know that you're doing it, it's very difficult to get people to stop doing a behavior that they themselves don't know they're doing. And I could probably come up with a lot of things like this, like the dog that barks in somebody's face It's because they have to go out, and then they go pee on the floor, and then the person thinks the dog is not only barking at them for no reason, but also peeing on the floor for no reason. So, I mean, again, the list goes on and on and on, but the challenge is lack of awareness is really hard to teach, but also kind of the, the cornerstone of trying to solve any type of behavior issue or learning how to communicate clearly with your pet or even with anybody, any other person, any situation. So if somebody has some idea how to teach awareness, I want to know because I haven't figured it out yet. But uh, we're coming to the close of the show. If you miss calling in, contact me off the air, and I will be back in two weeks. And have a wonderful rest of your weekend.